Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. Please listen closely. You're going you're gonna to get the shortest sermon you've gotten from Pastor Tom in a decade, probably. I know that's enough anticipation to look forward to, isn't it? I pray I can be obedient here. Hmm. I think 11 times God said, let there be at creation. And the words that follow, Pastor Don, were, and there was. Here's what the, the Holy Spirit has just prompted. There was zero degree of separation between God said and there was. Zero time. Zero time. Here's, here's, now that I said to someone on the phone this week, but standing back there a moment ago, Rhea, as we were singing this song, just the, conversion of the convergence of the table of the Lord and everything that's happened. <clears throat> it hit me that Romans 5 says that sin entered as a result of literally the invitation of Adam and Eve. And then it hit me that it is sin that gives us the power to resist the word of God. Prior to chapter three, there was no sin. Where there's no sin and the word of God is spoken, it's irresistible down to a molecular level. Stay with me. Roman, stay with me, please. This won't be long. Romans chapter 8 says that all creation groans for the coming of the fullness of the sons of God. All creation groans longing for that day when they see God face to face. Watch, watch the connection here. <laughs> you know, there were no seasons until after the Garden of Eden. And, and I, don't, I don't know what to do with all this yet, Pastor Don, but I'm going to just give it to you. At the end of Scripture, it says there's going to be a river of life, and all, every tree that's planted will bear fruit year-round. Seasons go away. Once again, the Word of God becomes an irresistible presence in that new heaven and new earth. There is zero space, zero space between the Word of God being spoken and it being fulfilled. Zero space. I want to say again, sin gives us the power to resist the Word of God. What is our working definition of sin? Sin is the point at which I embrace any opinion of me or any opinion about life above God's opinion of me or life or stuff. But it requires sin to do that. Terry, I don't know why this is hitting me so powerfully. But here's the point to many of you here. There are some that are walking in your faith and you're saying, uh, well, great, I'm going to do that, but it will just take time. I'm aware that we live in a place of time. But the word of the Lord to you today, please, to that, that person who is subjectively hearing what I'm saying, 
is you think, well, it's just going to take time or it's not my time or it's not that. I get that. But God doesn't, God is, God does not require time. We do. God is the I am. I said to someone on the phone this week, Moses, he met Moses after 40 years in the wilderness, but God didn't need 40 years to be able to offer to Moses. Matter of fact, he had made known to Moses 40 years earlier what he intended to do. It was Moses that under the grip of sin failed to respond to the word of God, resisted it, and spent 40 years in the wilderness. And I've heard some people say, so after 40 years in the wilderness, it was time. I want to argue a point. I don't believe God needed time. God doesn't need time. God doesn't live in time. God's word doesn't require time. It will, it will be sown and grow relative to my responsiveness and obedience. I bring time to bear on it. But what if today, what if today in this place, you could say, Father, I'm done resisting. I'm ready to receive your word. That, by the way, is the word for confession. Confession is the point at which I accept God's opinion of me above my opinion of me. But see, so often, Pastor Don, let me get up here where I, you can see it. We, we, we treat, if I were to ask you right now, turn and tell somebody how often you confess. If I just said that, turn and tell somebody how often you confess. First of all, you're going to respond to that. Matter of fact, if I had you do that, and there would be some that would maybe say something uh, matter of fact, I was talking to a Catholic brother on an online forum this past week, and, and, and he said, well, I've, it's, clearly it's time for me to go to confession again. And I laughed because of his, where he was. We were laughing. He was saying it in a humorous fashion because he was sort of living in the grip of, of, of a consciousness that he said, I guess it's time to go to confession again. See, we think of confession as relative, relative to sin, when I come to God to confess, I'm coming to tell him something that he, he needs to know or doesn't know. And of course, we know that that's not true of God. But what if we understood confession not just related to my last sin, but as an act of worship necessary to sustain God's presence? See, confession is not, I love you, Lord, it's Sunday, and here's all the, Pastor Tom just talked about all the stuff that got on me. Boy, did I walk through some stuff this week. I got stuff. I stepped in stuff. I can smell the stuff here in this sanctuary this morning, and I need this stuff rinsed off my feet. Here I am, Lord. I've come to praise you. Lord, and, and here's what I did. But see, specifically in Hebrews, when it says, Hold fast the confession of your hope. Hold fast the confession of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not saying come and repent of something. So I, I believe when Paul said, I learned how to pray without ceasing, I believe it, watch me, I believe that's, con, that's, con, that's cultivating a confession consciousness. What do you mean? What if I confessed more often than every seven days when I come to the house of the Lord? I get it. We're Protestant, not Catholic. You say, well, I get it. I don't have to wait to come to the house of the Lord or the table of the Lord. And that's good. You don't. But you can. And a lot of times that happens here. 
But what would happen if you cultivated a confession consciousness moment to moment to moment? That, what that means is, Father, I want to know your opinion above my opinion. Watch this. About the way I speak to my wife. I, I, I want to know your opinion about my thoughts. I want to know your opinion about my attitude towards people of another color. I want to know your opinion about how I drive in traffic. You can say, now you're just becoming religious. No, I'm not. I'm becoming confessional. See, because confession isn't waiting to run to God for my next problem of sin that resists the word of God. But what if confession, and I don't mean a hyper-religious, legalistic consciousness. Oh, I did that, I did this. No, I'm talking about starting off my day with, Father, I've come to confess you as my Lord and Savior. I've come to confess the hope that I have in my Lord and Savior. I've come to start this day by saying, Father, I don't know what this day holds for me or what I will encounter, but I am fully aware that at any moment there's the ability for me to have your opinion on that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And the Holy Spirit does what? Brings to mind the Word of God right now. When Paul said, I've come to the point where I pray without ceasing. Why? Because every moment he's cultivating a God consciousness to know the opinion of God spoken to my heart in the matters of godliness. Let me tell you something. It is sin that gives us the ability to resist the Word of God. It is sin that gives us the ability to take a dynamic, momentary act of grace that can happen in this room today and drag it out over 10 years until you finally come to the point of awareness. Let me finish right here. This week I spoke to a young man on the phone and he said, with tears in his voice and eyes, He said, I've come to the point where I just got to let the dream die. He said, I realize I'm at middle age and I'm about to take a job. It's the first job I have. It's going back 20 years. And he said, he said, I'm, I'm just going back and starting over. It's just the most humiliating thing, but I'm tired of me. I'm tired of being the one. And I said, listen to me. And it was there that it happened. Watch this. I said, you're fearful of going back to that point that you see as 20 years ago because sin's informing you that it's going to take another 20 years for you to walk from that point to get to the place you should have been by now in 20 years. But listen to what I said. By the way, you don't ever hear me speak on creation in terms of the big arguments because I think it's wasted motion, but here goes one, and I'll get emails about this of all things. By the way, listen to me. Don't get hung up on what I'm about to say, because this isn't the core of the message. But there are people who develop philosophy and theology and said, you know, well, uh, radiocarbon dating says the world is a billion years old, or whatever, millions of years old. They find bones and artifacts, and it's the evidence is right there. Others will tell. I've read, really, I've studied this, so don't, if you feel you need to send me stuff, go ahead. I'll, I'll read it. And there's some that would argue, well, radiocarbon dating is, is a, a, a logical fallacy built into science. It's circular. It's using our own tool to test something beyond ourselves to give it. And, and it's a great argument. 
See, but here's, here's the thing that I think we fail to grasp. And let me just say it this way. Our God, by any other sci-fi definition, is an alien being beyond description who, doesn't, who does, doesn't say, I have all knowledge. He said, I am it. So to say, these, watch these words, to say that this alien being has in his possession some sort of technology, and I use that word absolutely, sacrilegiously, tongue-in-cheek, that he could do what it is he said he did in seven days. That's stupid. There's no way that happened in seven days. That's a metaphor, and it means this and that. And I've got that. Done that argument too. Hebrew words, everything. Done it all. But here's what I came to. When the Spirit of God working beyond the, the limits of our mind constantly and what we can comprehend, we fail to understand that there is an alien being I like what theologians say, a monotheistic creator. They say it this way, one God that created humanity on this planet with a specific and intentional, a focused intentionality toward them. And that this being somehow created everything that we see, knowing that in thousands of years after, whatever after, we would have a technology to say, well, it's really billions of years old. Here's the testimony where it says the stars of the heavens sing the praise of God. That what should have taken a billion years, he handled in seconds that immediately followed, let there be. You see, when God's word speaks to your heart and you're saying, it's gonna take 20 years to get back to the place that I am today, to try and even recapture the promise that should have been mine over the process of 20 years. But I've lived 20 years in disobedience, sin, resisting the word of God, and now I'm going back to that starting point. Here comes the lie of the adversary. He's taking you back to where you were 20 years so you can relive 20 years because it's gonna take God 20 years to get me where I should have otherwise been. That is a lie. That is a lie because God says, dude, Read the first two chapters of Scripture. I compressed billions of years of processes into a few words of my mouth that said, let there be. Scientists are stuck on it. They can't figure it out because what should have taken billions of years, I did in seven days. You can say that's foolishness. You can say that that is so arcane and religiously naive but I've come to tell you that Ephesians chapter one says that creation was simply a statement about my intentionality for what I might do through humanity. Watch this. And as certainly as I said, let there be, and what happened in the next nanosecond would have taken a billion years of processes to bring to pass. Do you think that I am not the God that said, I'm only taking you back to that point 20 years ago because that's the point that you walked away. I don't need 20 years to get you where you should have been 20 years later. I need one moment where I speak my word over you and you respond to it, embrace it, and you don't allow sin to resist it. Sin has created the space. Sin has created the time. Is anybody getting what I'm saying here today? Okay, great. Then stand to your feet and I'll quit right there. I got a, a great sermon you need to hear. Come back. Come on, let's stand together.
Don't bow your heads and don't close your eyes. There are some standing in this place right now that as I've spoken those words, the Word of God began to prick your heart. The Holy Spirit began to bring to mind certain things of remembrance of encounters between you and Him. And right now, you've, you've begun to say, you don't understand the depth of my pain. You don't understand the significance of my choices. You don't understand the penalty of decisions that I made. And even as you've heard the words that I've said, you're resisting hope because it's too painful to embrace it. You may be 35, you may be 50, you may be 80. You may be standing there and say, my marriage has been so long for so bad, I don't have the life, the years to live it over again. You hear me. In the name of the living God, there's a God who today in this room on September 9th, excuse me, September 11th, 2022, there's a God in this room that can step into your marriage and speak, let there be over your marriage, and it doesn't require 20 years to fix or 30 years to fix, but the spoken word of God that is received by you and your spouse and say, we can do this, we can do this, and suddenly, watch, there becomes a creative fruitfulness that wasn't growing there minutes ago and seconds ago. That is the God we serve. There's some standing here that you said, I've made so many bad decisions, but not only that, Pastor Tom, I've made the same bad decisions more times than you can possibly count. And I've made it so many times that I'm now, listen to me, I'm now convinced that the decisions I've made are not the decisions I've made, but it's the essence of who I am. Hear the word of the Lord today that John the Revelator would write in the gospel. He says, even when your heart condemns you, when you've done it wrong so many times that you don't need anybody else to tell you, the voice that you have is the one looking back at you in the mirror. You don't need another voice to tell you how sorry you are, what a fail you are. You stand in front of the mirror and your own heart condemns your reflection. I want to declare to you that the God who said let there be is the God that stands right on the edge of your life today. And God's word says even when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Will you not receive that today? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.